when you first got to the varsity football team at Katie, who was the first person to give you that wake up call? This was a whole different level of competition. <laughs> well, I, I played, I played receiver. And so it was, I mean, I, I remember very, very vividly. It was a guy named Joaquin Garcia. He was one of our team captains, mm-hmm. played corner and he's actually also a coach now. He, he's, he's coaching down at Pearland. Okay. Uh, and, and he was, uh, you know, I mean, he, he was, he was a stud and, and, we ran a little curl wheel combination. I was inside a receiver, ran a, ran a wheel route, and yeah, I wasn't the fastest guy, so I yeah, you know, I thought it's my chance to go deep, and 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 ball was thrown well, but he sat back on it, and and he met me right there when when the ball got there, and, and it, it was uh, it was it was memorable enough that you know here, 20, 20 plus years later, I still remember it. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, and sharing them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, and sharing them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind and sharing them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough. But you be told I need some therapy. Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy. All right, welcome back to another brand new episode of the Team Player Podcast, episode number 51. This is the one I've been wanting to do for a long time. Our guest today is truly what they call one of the good guys in the business. Ever, I've never met a person that could ever say anything bad about this guy. Everyone always raves about the quality of human being that he is, that he is. He is also one of the select few team player alums that has a state championship 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 ring as a player. And now he roams the sidelines as the head football coach and campus athletic coordinator for the Northbrook Raiders. Welcome Andres Gomez to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. This is a great honor. Yeah, coach. Like I said, it's been a long time in the making. My, my old OC from Aldean, Nate Schallenberger, would just always would, would sing your praises. And I, when I finally got to meet you doing some broadcasting, I, I, I was not disappointed, man. So I, I love watching your team, man. I'm always rooting uh, for the Raiders. But if you're a part of the team player movement, please make sure you have given us a five-star rating. Uh, we've got 47 on Spotify, 26 on Apple Podcasts. We're doing a good job, but we need we need to get more. The more ratings we get, the more people will find the show. We can hear great stories like Coach Gomez's stories. If you want to leave a written review, I read those on the show. And then you can hit the follow button to subscribe and get a new episode in your queue every Sunday. We'll be honored if the Team Player Podcast made it into your rotation. And I'm your host, James Kovaleski. Please follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. All right, let's dive into it, Coach. You have another – this might be another team player first. Much like myself, you were not born in, in the United States of America. I was born in Japan, so a lot of listeners know that I was born in Japan, lived there for a year, moved moved to the Houston area. But you were actually born in Mexico City, well, another like Tokyo, one of the biggest cities in the world. It's the capital and largest city of Mexico, centrally located in the mountains, a 17-hour drive south of Houston. And then also about three hours southeast of Querétaro, where I spent a month studying abroad during my college year. So I know this well. Uh, a couple other things I, w- I wanted to you know, bring up to you. Uh, I did. A, I also spent time in uh, DF, DFA, DFA, Distrito Federal, right? Another name for Mexico yeah. City. I spent time there. Uh, we visited the Zocalo, the main square out there, the hub for the arts. We went to ancient temples. I visited the Templo de Sol in Teotihuacan. Uh, just incredible. The culture, the food, the music, just 
I think I think a lot of people sleep on the beauty and culture of Mexico City. I think maybe a lot of people go to like kind of you know touristy areas, but they've not been into the heart of Mexico. So I'm just curious your recollection growing up there. Just tell us all about what it was like growing up uh, in Mexico City. Well, it is. It's it's a very very unique place. I mean, it, you know, it's it's a it's a very very crowded place. You know, it's yeah. a, a very very densely populated. Uh, you know, it's one of the biggest cities in the world. But uh, like I said, it also has a lot of, a lot of history, a lot of rich tradition, and you know, I mean, and and it's it's a, uh, you know, we, we I lived there till I was six years old. You know, so my memories are 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 pretty faint. You know, from the time I actually lived there. But you know, in the times that I've visited, it just it's it's amazing, and I love going back. I, I love just visiting and and just being being in it because it's uh, it just there's just so much so much to it, so much depth to, to the city. Uh, you know, the people are are incredible. A lot of passion. You know, uh, very. Uh, you know, I still have I still have family there. I still have some aunts, uncles, cousins yeah. that live there, and you know, it, it, I have actually have a, one of my cousins is about two months older than me, and and he's lived there his whole life, and and so I, every time I I see him visit, I mean, I think about like what my life would have been like had I stayed right. there. You know, probably a lot like his, but uh, you know, as as it was, my you know, we, we moved. Like I said when I was six, we moved to north uh, to the northern part of Mexico, Chihuahua. Okay, and then from there, you know, that you know, there was there were some struggles and. And so my dad ended up getting a work visa to come work in the United States. And and he, so he was, uh, you know, it was, it was about, I was about eight years old at the time. And, and he was, you know, he, he just, he moved here to, to Houston uh, and he was working and, you know, sending money back to us. And, uh, you know, when, and then, you know, we, we, this was about November. Uh, and then, you know, we finished out the school year and that summer, my mom said, Hey, you know, we're going to go on vacation. We're going to go visit your dad. And so he, um, you know, so, so we, we, we took a, took a trip up here. We, we came, uh, we came up and then, uh, you know, I mean, obviously they, they had made plans ahead of time, but uh, we we stayed, you know, the, the, the two week vacation ended up being a, a uh, you know, and now 30 plus years yeah. uh, that, that we've been in the country. So, um, you know, obviously just tremendous experience. Just, I mean, it, it shaped me more than anything else that I've ever done because I mean, you know, without any kind of warning, without any kind of uh, just any, any plan, you know, planning on my part, you know, all of a sudden we were find ourselves, uh, you know, I have two older brothers and we were here in this new country, new land, new culture, you know, trying to learn the language, trying to yeah. figure out where we fit in. And, and, you know, so, uh, so it, it's just one of those things that at the time it seemed like it was going to be a big deal, but, you know, didn't realize looking back, I realized just how big just that whole, that whole time period was in my life and, and how, how instrumental it was in, in making me the person that I am. Yeah, and coach, I mean, I just think I, I like much like you, I, I wouldn't trade being born in another country for anything. And also getting to go back. My mom was the only one that came to America. So my my entire Japanese family still lives there. And yeah. so some of the coolest memories, and we don't get to do it often. It's hard to get to Japan, but whenever I go over there and visit my family, or, or a lot of them came, my cousins came for my wedding. And just getting that connection is incredible. But like you described with your cousin. Some of these cousins of mine, they're my age, but I mean, I've seen them like four times in my life. And it's just so crazy to think like, what where, what would my life have been like if, if I was over there? Much like you said, and I encourage people to travel. You know, like I said, going down and, I, you know, I was in uh, Distrito Federal for a couple of days and then we went to Queretaro. I stayed there for a month. And oh my God, it's so beautiful, beautiful cobblestone streets and architecture. And I, I lived with a family there. They owned a tortilla, so I ate well oh, <laughs> for an entire month. But it was just so cool. My favorite memory was going to the language school 
with Mexican students that were trying to learn English and we're trying to learn Spanish and we would speak to each other, except the rule was we had to speak only Spanish and they could only respond in English. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> it was just, that was one of my favorite memories of my entire life. Just those relationships formed. And I think the thing you realize people may seem so different when they're far away, but we're a lot more similar than we are different when you actually get down to the heart of it. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm just curious of you being a, an experience similar to mine of international family and stuff like that. I mean, any other nuggets you can just share, you know, with people about what it's like to, to interact with people from completely different cultures. Uh, well, you know, I mean, getting, getting to live in a tortilleria is, is quite an experience because that, 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 that smell <laughs> is one that, that, that just always, always brings me back to, to childhood. I mean, just yeah. that, that, that's, that's one of those unique smells that, 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 that just is very powerful. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, everybody, everybody has, um, you know, th their own priorities, their own things that are important, but ultimately, yeah, we're, we're, we're all the same. And, and, you know, I, I got to, you know, I got, when, when I, when I came here, you know, I mean, there was a lot of, a lot of things that I, that I realized that, uh, you know, it, it, it was, uh, you know, I, it was, it was scary, very scary, obviously, you sure. know, come, coming, sure. coming here. And, you know, I said, I was old enough to know how, how scary it was. And, and, yeah. You know, and and also, you know, just to to show how far we've come, you know, in our educational system, you know, we we moved to Katy when you know, and yeah. I was I had just finished fourth grade in in Mexico, but when we got here, since we didn't we didn't know the language, they went ahead and held us back a grade. So I I started fourth grade when I got here. My brothers were in fifth grade and in sixth grade, uh, and in Katy ISD, you know, and this is 1989. They they had a bilingual program that only went up to fourth grade. So I was in a bilingual program. My brothers, you know, who were you know, 10, 11, 12 at the time, they they just threw them into regular classes and said good luck, you know. And wow. and yeah. and wow. and uh, you know, so so luckily I, I I was in it for you know year year and a half, and, and you know, and when I felt you know sort of comfortable with English, then they moved into regular classes. But you know, my my brothers, they just they just said just threw them right in it and 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 just go ahead. Uh, and, and, and they, they both, you know, very, very successful with it, you know, and, and we all kind of had our own unique experiences, but, you know, th th there was a, you know, th there was a lot of times, you know, looking back where, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'll never forget the first day that I was in, in school and, and, and they had, uh, I mean, there, there was nobody else that spoke Spanish in my class. And so I was sure. just, you know, trying to, trying to just observe and, and watch and see what everybody else did and follow along. And, uh, you know, they, there was, uh, you know, we, at one point we we're doing a coloring activity. I didn't, I didn't have any color. I didn't have any supplies. I didn't know. You know I was yeah, just kind of yeah. sitting there and, and, and I remember how long it took me to just, you know, point to the girl next to me to one of her colors, see if I could borrow it, you know, because yeah, even that interaction yeah. with no, no right. verbal language. Uh, yeah. It was, it was scary for me to try to try to engage in that way, you know, and then later that day it was, uh, you know, the class just got up and went, you know, started walking and, uh, you know, they walked out to the cafeteria. Well, I didn't realize it was lunchtime. They were going to the cafeteria. I brought my lunch, but didn't bring it with me. It just sit in the classroom. And, you know, at that point I look around, I didn't know which hallway we'd come out of. I didn't, you know, right. and so I just, I just bust out crying. I mean, I, I was just yeah, in tears just, you know, sure. cause I, cause I was so, it was so hum humbling and frustrating to, to like not be able to even communicate that basic thing of, Hey, I have food. It's right there. I need to go get it. You know? And, and, uh, and, and so again, like th those kind of things, uh, as I look back and just reflect on, on that experience of, of coming here, it, it's, you know, it, it helps me realize that, that there's a lot of times when, you know, things happen and, and, and things are challenging, but, but it doesn't, it doesn't affect me the way it does other people because, you know, again, in hindsight, 
that was the toughest thing I've ever done. And and knowing that I overcame that and 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 got to to where I am now and and you know everything that I've been able to accomplish because of I because of coming to this country and because of the opportunities here, you know, I I feel like I can do anything. And and I feel it just kind of gave me the confidence to say, you know, what, what I, I did that came out on the positive end. So so what 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 can't I do? You know? Man, the true American dream. And now you're coaching big time 6A Texas football, <laughs> high school right. football, man. I love that. And I think about one of my greatest regrets. Or not, I don't know if greatest regret, maybe I'm overselling it, but I, I wish I knew more Japanese. You know, mm-hmm. my mom is my mom is Japanese. She's native, you know, lived there her entire life until she met my dad. You know, my dad was in the army. So that's kind of how he ended up in Japan and they met and we left. But my dad not being a native speaker, my mom also, I guess, perhaps feeling pressure to learn English when she came over here and improve her English it wasn't really spoken to me a whole lot. I mean, I know little yeah. phrases that I'll always know because cut being like, you know, hurry up, you know, be quiet, <laughs> you know, those little phrases right. I know in Japanese just as good as I know English because I grew up with it. But mm-hmm. every, every level, like trying to go into conversational Japanese, that's a huge jump that I'm unable to do. And then I think about jumping from conversational to academic. And I always mm-hmm. thought about that for students who, who were, had a, you know, a, a, a language other than English as their first language, wherever the country, their home country, they may have been the very top of their class. They may be extremely intelligent, but you try to come to America and now you're talking like using academic language, even if they can speak mm-hmm. English. I can only imagine the challenge of now having to communicate academically in, in another language. So can you kind of speak to that portion? Obviously, it was scary enough just to know how to go to lunch. But whenever yeah. you had to actually do your coursework, how difficult was that at the beginning? It, it was it was, it was was very challenging. And, yeah. and uh, you know, the the... You know, I, I feel like I was, you know, my brothers and I were, were really good students, you know, in Mexico. So yes. we were able to kind of bring that, you know, bring that here. But but also, uh, I remember little turning points like, you know, at one point, I remember when, when you know, I don't remember exactly how old it was, but I remember at some point I realized my thoughts were shifting to think in English as opposed to Spanish. I used to be right. like thinking Spanish, translate it to English and get it out. And then all of a sudden I started thinking, dreaming in English. And, and, and that's kind of when I realized, okay, like I'm kind of getting the hang of this, you know, and 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 now you know my my mom always gives me a hard time about not knowing you know forgetting my Spanish sure uh, and, and I have to remind her that it's not it's not that I've forgotten Spanish I just I had a fourth grade education in Spanish I have a master's degree in English you know so like my vocabulary is yeah. just not very advanced and there's times when even even like with my parents there's there's a little bit of a language gap because they're you know they're mostly fluent in Spanish then they, sure. they speak English you know well uh, but they're vocabulary is not as advanced in English, just like mine is not very advanced in Spanish. So when we get into some, some deeper conversations, you know, there's, there's some words that I just don't know in Spanish right. that, that, you know, I'm, I'm not as eloquent or fluent uh, with, you know, the language. And, you know, and I, 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 and, you know, the other irony is that I, when I went to, when I went to college, I, I ended up getting a degree in English, you know, so I, yeah. I, that's, and that's what I taught for, for 16 years before I had this job. I was an English teacher, you know, so um, I was able to, you know, obviously master the language enough to get a degree and, and teach it. And, and, uh, you know, that was always my, my way of introducing irony to my students, you know, say, hey, it's ironic that, you know, your, your English teacher didn't even know how to speak English when, <laughs> when, when he first came to this country. And now, now here he is teaching so it's that's so funny coach my wife always jokes with me like when we went to japan she says as the more if, if i'm having drinks with my family the more that i drink the better my japanese gets <laughs> is what she says i don't know if i believe her or not but it all like i said there are always a twinge of sadness to me that one day when my mom you know does move on you know pass i pass on that will be kind of like my child's last one of the last like real connections to japan mm-hmm. and so i want to 
guard that. And so I, I wish I spoke more Japanese, but I always encourage my mom to speak Japanese to my son. And, you know, you and I both have had children kind of recently, and you have another child, an older child as well. But I'm just curious, not to dig too much into your personal parenting or anything, but with that uh, preservation of culture or the language of Spanish, I mean, is that something that you actively try to do with your kids or are you just letting them be, you know, a kid here in America and just kind of let them let them go? Or I'm just curious how you handle that. Yeah, I, I haven't personally as much because uh, my wife, you know, my wife's from here. She she was sure. born, born and raised in spring. You know, she, you know, she, she, she not, not a fluent Spanish speaker at all. So, so at home we communicate in English and, and right. that's how we talk to her. You know, my, my parents, you know, they obviously prefer Spanish. So, so whenever we go visit them, they'll speak Spanish to all their grandkids. And I think that's great. So, yeah. so they have, you know, yeah. kind of a basic understanding, but, but uh, you know, because the, there is no, you know, that immersion is not there at home. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I think that it, it is, it is going to take some effort, you know, Spanish is a little different because they, they teach Spanish in schools, you know, like yes, I mean, there's, yes. you know, there's books and there, there's, you know, vocabulary stuff they do, you know, she'll watch some, you know, some little shows on YouTube sometimes where they start speaking Spanish, you know, and, yeah. and so, or we'll do, you know, little subtitles on the Disney movies or, you know, something where, where they, she can kind of get some of that. And, uh, but, you know, ultimately, I, I mean, you know, I, this is, this will be, I'll have to do a, a good, good sales job to my wife, but ultimately I would love to go live you know, take my kids and go live in Mexico, you know, whether it's for the yeah. summers or for a couple of years, you know, or something where, where they get that, that, that full immersion where they have to use it, they have to learn it. And, and just to, to be able to see part of their heritage. I mean, I think that's very important. You Absolutely. know, that, uh, you know my, my wife said, we, we always kind of joke about that because you said she was born in spring, Texas, and she graduated from Klein Oak High School, went to Texas A&M, and then came back and, and, and moved back to North Houston. We, we live in spring now, you know, she, 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 this is, is the only world she knows you know whereas yeah. that i had you know our experiences were very very different and you know i keep telling her that like ultimately our kids going to benefit from you know get, getting getting that that you know just hey let's let's get out of our comfort zone let's go do something you know it might be challenging but let's we'll, we'll do it together and, and we'll we'll all grow from it ultimately coach i'm going to say this and i'm not going to get us way off the track because i could talk to you for hours and this would be a different podcast topic but being a biracial child that's something like your children will experience that I experienced it. And it's something that, that no one else can understand. I think, unless you've actually lived in those shoes like that, you know, for, and I just think it's gonna be really interesting for your kids to have that. And I, I encourage you, I think you're on the right track to allow them some immersion if you can, you know, and I remember living in Querétaro for a month at the, 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 the frustrating part was at the end of the month, I suddenly felt my ear changing. And I'm like, wow, it took like a month, but I'm like really accelerating my, my comprehension right now. And yeah. I just, I felt like if I could have stayed for a good solid three months, I would have been very strong. Yeah. And of course, now as time has passed, it's gotten worse and worse. And I'm an adult. I mean, your kids can probably pick it up faster than me. Yes. But um, I just think that's great, coach. So I, I totally, you know, support you <laughs> on that. And that, that's a whole different topic. That is, we'll, we'll talk about that off air. But, uh, you know, as far as growing up in Katy, another, another thing that we have in common here and I'm actually moving to Katy, you know, so I decided, you know, we had our child, we're going to try to move out to the suburbs, get a bigger place, you know, and enjoy that part of our life. And we chose Katy, you know, um, lots of reasons. We don't have to dive into all of them, but I mean, I obviously someone like me, I, I'm just, I've always marveled at the Katy high school football program. And so we're actually going to live in an area that is squarely like in that zone. And so okay. I've already got my son ready to go to Tigerland daycare center. And I'm just <laughs> all about it, about that, that tradition. And so you lived it. You, you went to Katy high school. Uh, you graduated in 1998. You, you played solely football was your only sport. You won the state championship your senior year in 1997. I went to that game. I remember it was in the Astrodome. 
yep. I, I, I distinctly remember that. Um, your high school head, and from that game, the one guy that I remember was Adrian Guetta, the number yep. 97, the guard. I just remember him. He's the only <laughs> guy I remember, but he was awesome. I'm going to ask about him in a minute. Uh, but you, you had your head coach was legendary coach Mike Johnston. On that yep. staff during your four years, you had a who's who of future head coaches that were assistants there. Of course, Gary Joseph. Mm-hmm. Say no more. Need to say no yeah. more. The, le- the, the other, another legend. Um, the head coach of the Tigers currently, but also Don Clayton, the longtime Cinco Ranch coach. Yep. And he actually took a win off the Tigers one year. So that's not, not <laughs> yep. something easy to do. Chris Massey, the longtime Deer Park coach. Mm-hmm. Dan Schreiber, the former coach at Fort Ben Austin, which is my alma mater. And then yep. Bobby Jack Goforth, I'll ask you about him. I'm, I'm not familiar with him. But the cool thing is I watched some of those other schools. I always remember uh, Deer Park and Schreiber at Austin. They ran that good old 3-4 defense, that famous KD 3-4 quarters defense. <laughs> I just – I love watching it. But let's let's start with Adrian Guetta. That's the one guy that stands out to me. Just talk to me. What was he like? Because I just, I just remember him, even as a kid, not really knowing football, just like, wow, this guy's really good. He's disrupting everything. Yeah, so he, he was he was actually a sophomore uh, when I was a senior. A couple years Are you younger. serious? He was only a sophomore that time. Yes. Wow. Uh, and and uh, so, so we had, uh, you know, we had we had really really good offensive and defensive lines. Yeah. Uh, but our offensive line that year was they were all seniors. You know, yeah. we had and and uh, we and we had a tight end uh, that was a senior, and 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 they just they dominated. And then on yeah. defensive side, they were younger. You know, we, we had uh, Adrian, we had Lance Redman. They they were both uh, oh, yeah. underclassmen. Um, and, 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 but, but they were, you know, I mean, we could, we could tell they were just, you know, these big, powerful kids and that they, they, they could move really well. And, and like I said, there's very disruptive up front. And, you know, we had, you know, like the, he was the, we had Rusty Busey was our linebacker. He was the, you know, the yeah. Houston area player oh, yeah. of the year that year. Uh, and, and so, I mean, we, we just, you know, we, we had just loads of talent on that team and, and we were, uh, yeah, I, I remember very vividly that our very, very first practice our freshman year, uh, coach Kent Bruno was the linebackers coach, and and he 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 looked at us and he said, "You guys need to prepare to win a state championship when you see us." And he said, I, "I don't know. I never polled any of my teammates, but like when I heard those those words as a freshman, I, I believe it." I said, "Okay, yeah, let's do it." You know, and, and I thought that that's our path. And you know, that our freshman year, we went to uh, we we played for the state championship against, and we lost to Plano that year. And you know, and, and that that team was you know they, they had all all kinds of talented kids on that team as well. Uh, and and I remember you know. We would play Klein High School game one every every year, every season back then, and and we could never beat them. Klein had our number, uh, and and I remember my freshman year, our varsity lost to Klein game one, and then won thirteen games in a row, and then went faced Plano in the in the championship game and lost, and and so that kind of you know set the the groundwork for us, and we said okay, like it, it can be done, and, and that was that was the first, uh, you know, Katie, Katie won a championship in nineteen fifty nine. Uh, and then after that, you know, it was there. There was nothing until you know that '94 team went made it to the championship game. So, uh, you know, so, so we kind of, we saw it. and We said, okay, it, it is possible. And uh, you know, the next couple of years, uh, you know, we lost in the first or second round. Uh, and then when, when we were seniors, uh, we 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 beat Klein that that yeah. first game. So we felt really good about ourselves and thought, okay, this is it. You know, we're gonna get it done. And then. Week two, we we just we laid an egg against Langham Creek and we lost. You know, we we, we lost the, that second game and 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 that was kind of you know one of those moments where we thought, okay, like you know maybe we're not as good as we think. You know, it was just there there was a lot of conversation about you know what that meant. You know, we thought we finally gotten over the 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 Klein Bearcat hurdle and then we lose week two, uh, and then you know kind of like like that '94 team, we we went on a run and you know and and, and we we won our district. 
uh, you know, we, we played a very, very hard fought game against Maid Creek that year. Maid Creek had probably their best team uh, yeah. that year. Uh, in fact, I, you know, Coach Sheffy and I, Josh Sheffy, yeah. recently, yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. he recently brought it up and said, man, he was like, we, we, we had y'all, you know, it was, it yeah. was a rainy game and, you know, just, just, you know, they, they, they made, you know, mistakes that they never didn't make all the whole, the whole year. Then, uh, you know, so, so, so we, you know, we get in the playoffs, we, we win an overtime game against Elsick. Uh, wow. 89 one, wow. yeah. uh, at, at Tully Stadium. I mean, I remember that was a cold, rainy day at Tully, and, and yep. said we, we beat him with a, in, in, with a field goal in overtime. Uh, you know, and then we we beat Lamar, uh, round two, and then round three, we played Eisenhower at Rice Stadium, and that was that was probably the toughest game wow. of the season. And because yeah. they, they were loaded that year, yeah, uh, and, and kind of same thing, it was back and forth, and and uh, we we beat him, I think it was 21 17. And they they had the ball at the end and and were driving on us and and just we you know happened to fumble the ball for us to be able to secure that win but but I mean there was a, there was a good chance they were going to drive down and and win and and you know I've since I've worked with coaches that were on that Eisenhower staff and 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 they said that they they knew whoever whoever won that game was gonna was gonna win the championship because that was that was just an intense intense battle yeah. uh, we played a team out of San Antonio Taft in in okay. the fourth round uh, in the Astrodome and. and and then you know, and that was back when championship games weren't at a at a, at a side. They were, we were still flipping for those. And yeah, and you know, Coach Johnson, I don't know what what kind of lucky coin he had that year, but we played <laughs> three of our five playoff games during the Astrodome. We played yeah. Lamar, we played uh, Taft, and then, and then we played Longview in the Dome. Uh, you know, in that championship game. So so we kind of felt like that was our our home away from home. Uh, you know, we felt very comfortable going. And, you know, and, and and again, that back then that was that was just a huge experience for high school kids to be able to go. Go, go to the the dome and, and and play you know in that 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 hallowed ground and so um but but you know it just it just said it just all kind of seemed to come together for us uh and and like I said when I look back I I just thought that's the way it was supposed to be so you know right you, you set your goals when you're a freshman you know you you work hard you 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 work your way up and and then you get to be a senior and you win the championship and 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 life is good you know and that's kind of like you know the the, the storybook high school career that, that everybody wants. And, 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 and I felt like that was, uh, I just, the way, the way it was going to be, you know, I, I, I didn't see it ending any other way. So it was, it was kind of special, uh, but, but it did give me a little false sense of, of security when I got into coaching, you know, because sure. having lived through that, you know, then you get into coaching and, and you know, I said, I know it's come up on, on your podcast before that, you know, even winning just one game is, is challenging, you know, much less, you know, the level of success Katie has had, uh, but, but, but it's, I got a little bit spoiled of, of just, you know, how, how it all came together, uh, you know, from, my, from, from my playing days. You know, yeah. And I, I have so many questions about that, that Katie team. And you know, I, I think it's difficult. Like I played division three football at a small school called Austin college. And I remember going on a recruiting trip to Texas Lutheran. And that was one of my final, final three. It was Texas Lutheran Trinity or Austin college. And on that recruiting trip, I met a Katie linebacker one year older than me and named Matt Nesbitt. And he was a part of that team that had won the state title, you know, and, I just think talking to guys like that, sometimes maybe for them or for you that experienced Katie high school football and playing for state championships, I think sometimes coming to the D3 level can be difficult because like no longer are there the big crowds and the whole town coming out to support you. I had a couple of teammates at Austin College that came from Katie. A lot of them didn't make it out of camp or the, or the freshman year. You know, it, just, it was just maybe it wasn't the same. You can all <laughs> that Katie high school football experience is kind of a once in a lifetime thing. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And is. so unless you're playing big time football, I may not be able to, to be matched. Mm -hmm. And I actually met a former teammate of yours named Josh Caldwell. He was, an, he was a receiver. So probably yeah. in the same position group as you, I believe the same yeah. graduating class. And he's a 
he's a high school football nerd like I am, and he is just he loves it. He, he him and his brothers actually ran that old five A Texas football site that was popular many yeah. years ago, and now I they're starting it. a new thing called Tradition Never Graduates. It's a podcast. It's a blog. All my listeners sign up for that. I've actually I've been looking into it now. The content is incredible with what he does, and so he and I we've been talking. Maybe we can he and I will collab a little bit, but. I always ask him the question. I'm going to ask you the same thing from the outside. I mean, Katie, yes, they've got very good players, but a lot of times Katie may not be putting out as many division one stars as some, as some of the people that they're beating in the, in the playoffs. And so I always wonder how do they do it? And especially now, I mean, with all the new schools opening Katie and now even 20 years later, they're still winning. I, I'm just curious for you. Was there anything you could pinpoint now, now that you've been coaching and you see you're outside of that Katie bubble, how do they do it? That's all I've always wondered. How has Katie been so consistently good? What What is it about that program that, that's allowed for that? I, I think the, the, the key word is consistency. You know, and, and, and that and I think I haven't, I haven't been haven't been back inside the building, you know, much since I, since I graduated. But I'm sure if, if, if I go back and, and watch their practices or their offseason or, you know, so I'm sure I'd recognize a lot of those things because that, yeah. that's, you know, that, that when – uh, you know, sometimes this, this comes up in conversation, you know, and, and, you know, when I was an assistant, you know, I'd, I'd say, you know, suggest something, you know, in, in a staff meeting and say, you know, well, Katie, we did this, or, you know, and, and you always, you always get met with the, you know, the, well, you know, we don't have Katie kids, you know, we, maybe we can't do that, you know, and, and, and I like to remind people, I mean, you know, Katie wasn't Katie, but, you know, correct the, the entire existence. Yeah. I mean, when coach Johnson took over in the early eighties, I mean, they were not very good. Right. And, and, and I think that that's what, that's how they became Katie is, is by doing those Katie things consistently, even when, when they weren't winning championships, when they weren't, you know, competing for district titles, but they, they were doing those same things that, that, that coach Johnson, coach Joseph, you know, all those coaches put in place. And, you know, I mean, having the same head coach, uh, you know, or two, two different head coaches in, in a span of, you know, 40 years. I mean, that, that's pretty incredible. That doesn't happen yes. very often. And, and, and the fact that coach Joseph worked for coach Johnson for so long, I mean, I think that's again that that's what kind of is able to put that level of consistency there, and 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 they have they've had players who graduate play at Katie and then they go back and coach there, and 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 they kind of bring those values back, and I think that that's that that's the, the true model is is that they they set their their standards and expectations a certain way, and and they, and they stuck with them, and 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 then once once they got rolling, then then you know, and it kind of lined up with you know the talent showing up with the the procedures the processes the expectations and and just the the habits the work ethic you know it, it kind of all created that perfect storm and, and now it's now, now it's a juggernaut that we all know and then you know people you know people younger than me they only know katie as as you know the, the home of champions you know the the, the right. one of the winningest programs in the state uh you know but 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 again having been there at the you know the early stages of when when the the massive success came yeah you know, I, I think we, we were um you know we also all wanted to be a part of it from from an early age that, that was the other thing that, that i know right. a lot of people right. have pointed to is is i mean we were you know in when we were in, in junior high we we would all go you know my friends and i would all go to the games together and we'd all yeah. sit together and, and, yeah. and you know i knew like i, I can still tell you names of, of people players who were on the 92 team you know that's yeah, when i was in yep. you know six seven you know i think i was in seventh grade at, at the time um but we were watching it and when we'd go to every game we knew who they were and uh you know there, there was brothers that there, there were relatives and uh you know you just kind of you 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 wanted to be part of that of the program you wanted to you know be the next guy that that, that lined up at, at that position or or that 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 made the play and 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 again i, th I think that that it's that's another part of the consistency that's that's been 
part of that program the last few decades is is I mean, you know, like you said, you know, little little kids like they 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 dream of, be, of playing for the Katy Tigers, you know, uh, and and that's uh, when you have that mindset. When you when you got kids that can come, they come in with that mindset, you know, that then they're they're it's easier for them to buy in. It's easier for them to you know to push through the hard times because they know what the end result's going to be. You know, they know that that ultimately they're going to be playing in the playoffs and, and possibly for a state championship. And so, you know, when, when, when times get tough, when, when, when that off season is, is challenging, when the mat room is, is, is hot and, and, and you're, you're ready to quit. You know, I think that, that having that, that, that established foundation kind of helps, helps you push through the, the, the challenging times that, that, you know, maybe some other programs don't, don't get to have. And coach, you know, uh, through my, my, my best friend is a guy named Derek Ruthard. He's the offensive coordinator at Fort Ben Clements. Through him, I met another coach, Joseph, a guy named Jeff Joseph, who I'm sure you know well. And he uh, made a name for himself this year in the state high school playoff, making it all the way to the final there with Port Nature's Groves. But I'm starting to put two and two together. I remember one of Jeff's buddies when I go hang out was a guy named Joaquin. And so I'm assuming that's Joaquin Garcia. I guess they're, yep. they're buddies. Uh-huh. Yeah, pretty pretty cool. I, I just put that two and two together because Jeff was also a great sec- uh, member of the secondary at safety yes. uh, for the Katy Tigers. So I guess were you in the same – graduating class of jeff joseph as well or no jeff jeff was either a freshman or sophomore i think when i was there oh, and his, his okay. older brother john was he was a junior so john john was a was a junior uh backup quarterback on 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 that on that 97 team jeff was i want to say, I, I can't remember if he was sophomore or freshman uh but 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 he was he was a couple years younger than us um but you know but yeah they, they were uh you know they, they were always around and, and you know I, i've always always been been jealous of coaches kids because i, I sure. think that you know that they they just have you know that they have the advantage of, of seeing all the behind the scenes stuff that the rest of us don't know you know so like i, I didn't realize how hard coaches work or how, how much yep. effort they put into you know every practice and every workout and yeah you know, but when you're a coach's kid you get to see those things yeah. firsthand and you kind of you know i think that that kind of prepares you for you know if, if they choose to go into coaching then they know all those little ins and outs that we have to kind of figure out the rest of us have to figure out you know the hard way and so uh you know so, so yeah and 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 they're you know they're of course you know third generation you know their their grandfather was it was a legendary coach as well so yeah. uh you know they're they're uh you know it's uh that whole dynamic you know and having them on the team you know like they they were they weren't they didn't get any kind of special treatment you know no, right. they're, they're right. just they're they're they, they were held the exact same standards that we were held, you know, and, and yeah. that, that was, that was good for us to see, you know, that, that you know, coach Joseph as, as intimidating as he could be, that, that, that he was, he was very fair and he, he was going to, he's going to treat you right and, 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 and give you what you deserve and what, what you, what you needed at the time to, to help you grow into, into the right kind of person. A couple more things on Katie, especially now that I'm moving out there, I'm going to put you on the hot seat at the end for start bench cuts, but I got to <laughs> ask you now that I'm moving there, I feel like I'm going to be one of those fans starting to interject my opinion what happens when Coach Joseph retires? <laughs> Me and Josh Caldwell were sitting down at lunch the other day, and we were starting to already speculate, throwing a couple names around. And, you know, on my other podcast, H-Town Pick'em, we were talking about the same thing. And maybe Jeff Joseph could be a potential replacement. Maybe B.J. Gott could return to KDSD. I'm just curious, from your perspective, any, any names that were missing that could be potential replacements? Because I imagine if Katie, you don't want to go outside. You don't want to go outside the program. Well, why would you? In my opinion, I mean, I assume it's going to be somebody with a connection to Katie. But I'm just curious, as an alum, do you have any any thoughts on that one? Uh, I, I I don't. I mean, I haven't haven't even considered it. You know, I just yeah. you know, Coach Joseph is just he such still a, looks great. He could go such, such a staple. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, 
you know, I, I just don't, you know, I don't, I can't even envision that the, the idea of him, of him not being around, but, but yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think, you know, if, if there's not, uh, you know, somebody on staff, you know, a, a coordinator, somebody sure. that right. has, sure. has been there and, and can, and can carry the, you know, the program, you know, I think, I think, you know, I think those, those guys that you named, I mean, I think would be, would be great candidates, you know, and I think that they would, uh, you know, really, truly value the experience. And, 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 you know, I'm sure, you know, just with it, just like with every, you know, winning program that, that be, becomes available, you know, you know, uh, there's a lot of people that just say, I'm going to apply for that just in case, you know, maybe I'll get it. Maybe, you know, maybe I can, I can be in that seat, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not, uh, I, I think, like you said, you have to have some knowledge of, of the way things are because, sure. you know, it, 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 it's not an easy gig and, and it's not something, you know, uh, I don't think anybody can just step in and, and keep that thing rolling the way it is. I, I think that, uh, you, you have to, really understand what you're getting into. And, and, you know, I always say that, you know, right now, you know, as, as a head coach at Northbrook, I deal with some things that, 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 you know, other coaches don't deal with. And, 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 and I don't know that, you know, with my skill set, my experience that, that, you know, like right now, I don't, I don't know that I could be the head coach at Katie because that is just such a different uh, atmosphere, such a different job than, than this one. Every job is it's unique challenges. It's its own unique uh, things that you deal with. And, you know, and then sometimes, it's it's uh said you have to have just the right the right tools in place and and uh you know and and uh it just it has to has to be the right person you know and 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 I'm sure it's going to be a a challenge when when and if that day ever comes but uh you know and, and I, th I think that uh you know coach Joseph probably will have will have an opinion of his own you know sure <laughs> uh, sure uh, he's uh, earned uh, that right uh, I mean, with the amount of success and and time he's put in but my, coach I couldn't agree with you more fit is so important. Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to share some of my experiences as a head coach at Aldean, and we'll talk about that, you know, in a later segment. But I think that finding the right fit is so crucial. And so someone that's perfect fit for one, one situation may not be the same for another, even if they're a great coach. Um, yeah. But two last questions on this, is I don't often get a Katie Tiger here in the team player <laughs> studios. Bobby Jack Goforth, that was the one coach you listed that I'm not familiar with. Where did he go on to coach? He, so he, he was actually my position coach. He was their receivers okay. coach uh, at the time. Uh, and I know he was he was a head coach at Caldwell uh, okay. in, in for 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 a while. I, I don't know uh, I don't remember exactly where he is now, uh, but but he you know he was he was at that you know at that time he was he was a young you know energetic fired coach and he he had he had a he, he was a Baylor guy and he, he was he was a, he was a track guy he's one he was like one of the speedsters when when he was a player uh, and, and so so he just you know very 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 fire very energetic. Uh, and you know, I said, and then I know he was, he was, you know, in the, in that, uh, in smaller schools you know, in central Texas, you know, he, he is okay. where he, where he became head coach. Uh, but yeah, he, he's one, I, I didn't, I didn't, uh, keep up with him as well. Uh, you know, throughout the, you know, especially once I got into coaching, you know, I'd, I'd see him every now and then, but you know, not like, you know, say coach Massey, coach Clayton, they're sure. always, they're always hanging they're around. Front and center. Yep, yep. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I didn't get a chance to, to keep up with, with coach Goforth uh, as well as them. Coach, I'm so happy that your home stadium now is Tully Stadium. Tully Stadium actually is my favorite stadium in the greater Houston area. And part of the reasons why are the memories. Like you, I was that middle school kid that would go to the games all over the place. I, I went to Mercer because that's, that's where I lived. But in the playoffs, I would go. And a lot of times I'd follow Katie. And I just have those memories of being at Tully. It feels like you guys always played at Tully. And my favorite memories were walking down that hill, coming out of the locker room and seeing the Katie Tigers players walking hand in hand in perfect, beautiful, straight rows. And they'd kind of put the, as they're about to bust through, they'd, they'd lift their arms up together in the air. And I just, 
that gave me chills as a kid, just seeing that sight, you know, and I just love the, the pageantry of Katie football. So there's that. And also, of course, running and flipping the guy <laughs> on the run through and also in pregame where they sit in a circle and they kind of kick their feet up and like it's a slumber party and they had their little thing. Were those traditions in place when you were there or did they come later? Uh, they, they they were sort of in place, you know, like the, like, like we did go, you know, during, during pregame, we did go, uh, you know, circle up and, cool. and just kind of, you know, get somebody to give a little, little motivating talk and uh, you know, the, 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 the throwing the guy that, that was kind of starting, you know, it wasn't yeah. like so the pageantry that it, that it became yeah. later on, but, but we did have, you know, some smaller receivers and, and that was kind of the thing, you know, where they, they go late and they started kind of getting thrown a little bit. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah. And, and we, we, you know, we do the, um, you know, where, where, where they get in the little tight formation, you know, yeah. you see, and then they do the, you know, the quarter. The commands, yeah. What did yeah. you guys call that? I've always wondered, what was that called? I love watching that. Did, did uh, you have a name team, team Cal, which I, I don't team know if love that it. Was, okay. what that was short for, but, but that was, that was just the thing. And, 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 and we, and we were practicing. I mean, we spent, yeah. we spent some time, you know, after practice when everybody's tired, we, 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 I remember even at the, the sub varsity, we, we practiced. I love and, it. I love and, it. And they it still do that not, today. I saw them do that. It, this it was year. always, it was, you know, it was always somebody new that had to, that had to, uh, had to call it, you know, do, do the commands. And I was always yeah. a little nerve wracking. And so yeah. I remember it was it, at some point we figured out that if you do the same cadence, the guy before you had done, it was, it was <laughs> you, you weren't going to trip up your teammates as much. And so, so we kind of, you know, had the same cadence and but yeah, yeah, said all the, all those things, you know, that, that uh, helped us, you know, pay attention to details. And, and I mean, it, it, you know, said, looking back you know at some point i'm sure during our time there we thought this is silly why are we doing this you know how's this going to help us win games but you know i said it, it was all part of, of of the master plan of hey you, you got to learn this skill you got to learn you know how to how to talk to each other how, how to be you know yeah the circle the cohesiveness and and i mean i remember when when uh you know in that state championship game uh we we were uh you know we were all circled up and 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 we had a we had a tackle named walter wigfall who uh, he, he was massive you know, and, yeah. and he was, he was kind of, you know, he's kind of a, he, he loved cutting up, you, you know, he's very, very, very silly, loved, loved to laugh. Uh, and, and that day in that circle, he got up and he just was very passionately gave us yeah. this, yeah. this speech. And you could tell, you could see the fire. You could see that, that he was, I mean, he was locked in, he was serious. He was, and some of us at that moment, we were like, okay, we, we got this, you know, this, this is, it's going to happen, you know, because, because I was, like I said, it, just that, that, that memory of him, you know, who was always, always laughing, always smiling. And then all of a sudden he, he was, he was jacked up and ready to go. I mean, it was. That gives it, me it chills. Do you, have, have you watched the movie Friday Night Lights? Yes. Ivory Christian. Ivory mm -hmm. Christian never says anything, but in the state title game at halftime, he just goes off on everybody and it's, oh man, it just. It, yeah, gives me goosebumps. It, it was, it was like, yeah. it was one of those like movie type moments. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, they will never forget, you know, and, and funny story about that. So the one time that I, I, as a coach got to play against the Katie Tigers was my first year ever coaching. Funny thing, coach, my first year ever coaching, I got to be a part of a 13 to one team. I was a part of that magical Clements Rangers team that made it all the way to the regional final where we met Katie at Rice stadium. Funny thing. And football's humbling. My last year as a coach, I went 0 and 10. We'll talk about that in a little bit, <laughs> but in that game, it's it's pregame warm up. Katie, of course, does their their thing. We had a linebacker that I think you know he was removed from the team earlier for as a younger player for whatever reason. Allowed to come back as a senior, you know, so he's on the team. He runs right through Katie's pregame, like you know, and walk the field. He just runs right through it and disrupts that tr beautiful tradition that you guys have had. And at that moment, I kind of I think we're all kind of looking at you like, oh. <laughs> 
we just poked the bear, I think. And they proceeded to thump us. I don't even think we crossed midfield, honestly, out on offense. <laughs> I don't think we crossed the 50-yard line the rest of that game. So, Katie, with Bo Levi Mitchell, quarterback, they definitely uh, – they showed us what was up. But yeah. that's just a lesson for anybody. Do not mess with tradition. <laughs> but that – okay, I know everybody's probably like, all right, Kobo, we've talked enough, Katie, but – as a kid, I from the outside looking in, I idolized that program, and now moving there, I, I'm very intrigued. So I, I'm sorry, I indulged it a little bit too much, but let's move on. Now you're the head coach at Northbrook. That worked out perfect because now all of your maroon Aggie gear, you can still wear it to work. See? That's, that's <laughs> right. But you went to Texas A&M University. Uh, you remember the core cadets, which I think is just so awesome. Um, and so just kind of describe because uh, I know when I talk to Aggies, that spirit of Aggieland is a real thing, mm-hmm. and it's something that like again like people that weren't inside of it we can't understand you know is what they always say and i believe them i i, I sense that and you know and so like i've had people tell me i'm not a fan of the aggies i am an aggie with just that extreme mm-hmm. pride so can you just right. explain what was it like uh going there for college station for your education well you know i mean i was i was never never a good football player you know and so, so i knew that, that, that you know high school was was it for me i, I was not going to be a, a college football player uh, you know, as much as I, you know, I dreamed I'd be Jerry Rice one day, you know, I was growing up, you know, that, that, those dreams were dashed pretty quickly, but, uh, you know, so, so I, you know, I have two older brothers, uh, and, and they both, you know, they both played at Katie that they, uh, they both were at A&M at the time. And, you know, my, my oldest brother, Juan, he, he was, he was the one that, that, you know, he, he's always been, you know, obviously the trailblazer, the pioneer, the one that, 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 you know, takes chances. And, 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 and so he joined the, he joined the core just out of, uh, you know, just when he was visiting campus, somebody from the court, excuse me, stopped him and, and said, "Hey, you know, are you interested in this?" And and he kind of asked about it, and 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 so he got he got in, in into the this specific outfit, and uh, and then you know my brother Luis followed the next year, and then when it was time for me to go, I mean, there's it was I didn't I didn't really think there was any other options. Like that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be yeah. part of it uh, because you know watching them and then living that. I mean, it was you know it was twenty four seven military training you know and 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 the first two years everybody does the, the same things we, we all did the you know the the early morning runs the the, the marching the formations you know all, all the uniforms and and then after two years you get to choose whether you're gonna enlist you know go contract with the military or you're gonna you know just finish out your your four years and 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 then go on in the civilian world so uh you know i i chose not to join the military you know and and uh but but those four years in the corps were uh you know at the time the you know the the closest thing I could get to being uh, part of of a, of a team like I was at Katie. You know, and 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 I mean that was you know the the motto of the core is strength through unity, and, and it was all about you know and and they they told us that this is why we shave your heads, this is why you all wear the same uniform because nobody is is better than anybody else. You're all the yeah. same, and yeah. the only way you overcome these you know and and the upperclassmen were in charge of training us, and so they would put us in these you know I mean just insurmountable challenges that if one person tried to do it, that there's no way that we could do it. And, and, and that was the lesson is, is you have to lean on each other. You have to work with each other. You have to take care of each other. And, 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 and the moment you realize the value of that, then, then that's when you grow. And that's when you really become, you know, th- this, uh, this collective unit that can achieve greater things than you can on your own. And, and uh, so, so again, it, and, and it had, you know, and, and there were different units within the core that, that we would have competitions with, you know, we, we do a, like a, like a, three mile run or you know, marching or whatever there's there was, there was some co- competitiveness within within the core as well that, yeah. that they kind of kind of you know fed that 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 desire of you know of competition that, that a lot of us just just always have you know like we, we always want 
that it, it just that's you know to me that's the best way to grow is, is to compete whether you're competing with yourself with a stopwatch with you know with, with with your your buddy your brother uh and so just the again the 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 lessons of you know attention to detail of, of discipline of uh you know taking care of your business doing your job because if you don't do your job then you're, you're putting that on somebody else you know all all those things and 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 we were able to you know i was able to just get all those all those lessons and and really you know, because it was a program that was, again, I mean, we all lived in the same dorms together. We all, you know, went to class together. We we, we did everything together. And so uh, it really kind of reinforced the, the idea of like, you, you, you need other people. You cannot do this by yourself. Uh, and, and, and that, you know, obviously has helped me a lot as a coach and as a, as a teacher, because that's, you know, that, that's, that's how you, that's how you, that's how you win football games. That's how, that's how you develop, you know, a good coaching staff is, is by by sharing the load and, and by working together with with your teammates, with your coworkers, uh, to make sure that, that everybody does their part and, and that everybody understands their part. You know, and you know that always tells the analogy of of you know a, a team being like the human body and and you know like the eyes can't expect to do what the feet are going to do because they serve different purposes and 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 not one one is not more important than the other, but you can't say, well, why does he get to do that? Why do I have to do this? You know, because every, every, everybody comes together to form that one perfect unit. And, and, and as long as you understand that, that, you know, you're not going to, it's not going to look like somebody else's, but you got to do your own part to make sure that everything goes. And, and that's when, that's when the great things happen. You know, I, you know, I, I, I don't want you to hold this against me. Cause I know, I know, I know that you won't, but I'm a little more on the burnt orange side of the <laughs> growing up as a Texan. I, I, I'm more of the UT fan though, yeah. but. I play nice with Aggies. I'm not one of those annoying fans. It's like, you know, obnoxious or anything. So actually most, I've got a lot of really close Aggie friends, including coach Schallenberger. Mm -hmm. And so one year, uh, another friend of mine invited me to go to the, to the Texas game at Kyle field. And so I got to spend the weekend and this was, it was the highly ranked Texas with Vince young and Cedric Benson oh, yeah. coming into town. And I got to do the whole experience. So I went to midnight yell. And one thing that I love about the Aggies, even though they're rival, I love how the fans it reminds me of Japanese sports. If you ever go to a Japanese baseball game, the fans are doing, it's kind of like a soccer style where like they're doing mm. organized chants the entire game. And so Japanese fans actually feel like, you know, their job is to cheer. And that's how they're a part of the team. Kind of like what you described with the core cadets where everyone has a job. Yeah. That's how they feel. Instead of like sitting in the stands and eating popcorn and just complaining about play calling and second guessing coaches or officials, they're trying, they feel like their voice supports the team to victory mm -hmm. and i do feel like aggie fans are like that just that constant a all game long i just i love that part of it and i went to midnight yell and i remember jackson appel your star safety uh mm -hmm. giving the big speech you know about you know going into the night before and so i remember of course the yell leaders are the core cadets involved in that? i cannot remember if you are you guys involved in midnight yell I and mean, i know you're on the sideline at the games but or, what's your role in the midnight yell tradition I mean, we're just we're just there with everybody else. You know, okay, it, so you're out of you're out of uniform and just as a relaxing at that point, or mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. I mean, there, there's it's a we would still wear you know like a a more kind of a more casual relaxed uniform. It wasn't oh, the, the, you know it's like the camo pants and, and your and your t shirt. You know, kind of yeah. uh, you know it was one of those things. But uh, but yeah, we didn't have an active role. We we're just you know kind of more there to, to be part of it. And uh, you know, and, and and you know what you're saying about the you know in in international uh sports like i i saw it at the world cup you know when, yeah. when, when the world cup was going on you know a couple of months ago like you you'd watch you know the 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 asian teams african teams I mean, and, and they looked like they were doing very organized choreographed movements yeah. dances chants you know and, and 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 i loved seeing that part of it you know because it did it, it was a little you know uh 
it, it kind of gives just gives it more of a sense of community of like, hey, we're yeah. all in this together, you know, and not not just everybody, you know, doing their own thing or wearing the costumes. I mean, they they were like it just seemed like they were very organized in, in the support of, of the of the team. Absolutely. I totally agree. Now, last question on college. I asked this to every one of my guests. When you entered AM, did you know that you wanted to coach? Now, the, the results have been interesting so far. 64% of my guests have said no. And I've got these are these people are winning awards and the best leaders in the field of coaching. 64% of them did not think they were going to coach when they started college. So that that just shows you it's never too late. But I'm curious for you, right. Coach Gomez, did you know you wanted to coach when you started college? Yes, I did. I, I, I always... Uh, you know, I had a had a an incredible coach mentor uh, in eighth grade when I was in eighth grade at, at West Memorial Junior High, uh, Coach Coach McStravick, and and he was uh, you know he he was the the first person that inspired me to want to be a coach and and to and to be an example for for for, for young men and women. And so uh, ever since then, I mean, that was that was always my path. Uh, the the one thing that changed for me is is when I when I went to AM, I was uh, I made I wanted to major in math because I you know math was always my best subject in high school and I thought oh, I'm I'm gonna teach geometry and I'm gonna you know be a coach and, and it's gonna be it's gonna be great and then found out that I wasn't as good as math as math at math as I thought I was yeah. uh, you know, I started getting you know some some low grades failing some classes and you know, but I was I was very stubborn you know and yeah. and. So I kept, you know, had trying to retake classes, trying to, you know, trying to catch up. And and I mean, it was it was not going well for me and to right. the point where, you know, at the end of my junior year, I got called into the dean's office and he said, hey, you know, he's like, you, you can't stay in this math program anymore. You're, you're not you're not going to make yeah. it. And I said, no, I, I can I'll work harder at least summer school. And he's like, nope, sorry. He's like, you, you got you to gotta try something else. You know, and I mean, I would, like I was begging, like, hey, can I get a minor? And he's like, nope, sorry. Like, I mean, they just they wanted me out the door right. so fast. Right. And, and he, he said, he, he said, hey, there's there's a liberal arts office down there. Go go see if they have something for you. You know, and so I went and talked to them and they looked at my transcript and said, hey, you've done well in English and you want to you want to teach and coach. So so let, let's let's try, you know, maybe you can major in English, you know, and, and so I had to, you know, kind of restart my, my 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 college path there. And, uh, you know, and, and, and that was one of the best things that ever happened to me. You know, yeah, because when I got into teaching, I realized that you know teaching math is way harder than than I thought. You know, and English is English kind of gave me a, a chance to, to to connect with my with my students on a different level. You know, because there's always something you know within the the curriculum that I could use as just a method of conversation. You know, we could be reading you know To Kill a Mockingbird, and then we can talk about you know race. We can talk about you know gender. Sure. We can yeah. we can we can have these these deep conversations where you really get to to know your students. Uh, what you you can't really do do that teaching parabolas, you know, like it, it's just, yeah, sure. it's not the same. So, so sure. you know, as far, as far as my teaching career, you know, I said at the time I, I was devastated that I didn't get to to fulfill my dream of being a geometry teacher. But uh, you know, looking back, it was it was definitely one of the best things could happen to me because it because it did uh, you know shape my my teaching career in a different way. So, coach, you knew you wanted to coach, and so you got right into it. And here you say you've coached at many schools over the last nineteen years. I'm gonna say this, coach, for people that have never met you. You have good genes. You do not look like you've been coaching for 19 years. <laughs> Most of us, we go gray or we start balding or we get a belly. You have none of those three. <laughs> you look like you're not aging. So kudos to you. I think that, that's yeah, awesome. Kudos to my dad. <laughs> <laughs> but you said you started out at Chavez High School in HISD. Then you moved up north to Tomball for two years. You went to Aldean ISD, you know, where Coach Shallon and I spent several years where you coached at Aldean yeah. High for three years. Our Aldean High School Mustangs there, now led by Coach Cirillo Ojeda. And yep. uh, then you were at Nimitz, our, our, one of our rivals, uh, for one year before joining the staff at Klein Oak in 2011. 
after three years there, you went to College Park and Conroe ISD. And then when Klein Kane opened, opened in 2017, this is where you really kind of started really making a huge mark for yourself. You were fortunate to be on that inaugural staff that helped launch the program as special teams coordinator, extremely important position, and assistant head coach. And then you were there in, until the spring of 2020 but when you moved to Northbrook as head mm-hmm. football coach. Now, obviously, you're kind of a Northsider. You spend a lot yeah. of your career on the north side of town, but just – we, I know I don't think we have time to go over every single one, but from any one of those stops, is there anything that really stands out to you as kind of a formative moment or something you want to share with, with our coaches that are listening, coaches and fans that do listen? Um, I mean, it just the the, the movement, you know, at, at the time, it, it seems, you know, I, I didn't. Um, I, I, a lot of people advised me against moving so much early sure. in my career. You know, they said that, you know, it looks bad and you can't stay at one place very long and and. Uh, you know, at the time, it, it always seemed like it was, you know, in my mind, very justified, you know, where either I was in a you know, situation where the head coach was leaving and, you know, there was some uncertainty as to who was coming yep. in or, uh, you know, or, or there was something opened up where I could be a, you know, a varsity position coach or, or you know, some, you know, or somebody that, that I've worked with or worked for in the past. And, uh, you know, but but I just, uh, it, it really shaped me to be able to see so many different things, so many different kinds of, of kids, of coaches, of coaching styles, uh, you know, because then I was able to, to really pick and choose what works for me, you know, and, and I was able to really see, okay, well, this is something that, you know, I never wanted to do as a coach, or this is something that I want to do every single day as a coach, because I saw, you know, great examples, I saw negative examples, and, um, you know, it, it just, it worked for me, you know, and and I've worked with guys who have stayed in the same place for, for 10, 15, 20 years, and that works for them. And and so it's the, the biggest takeaway for me. And that just has been, you know, the, the cliche that, that you got to run your own race and you, and you got to you got to do what's best for you. And, you know, I know you, you've had uh, Sergio on your on your podcast before, and, and he, he kind of mentioned that as well. Yep. You know, he. He he had a lot of a lot of, you know, like one year stints at different places, but but he he was you know, kind of just going where, where he felt like he needed to go at the time. And, and I was the same way. And, and, you know, like I said the, my, my two years at Tomball were, were, were very, very formative because I was, I was there with, with Pat Patterson, yeah. you know, who was, he was on the staff at, at Aldine. And, exactly. And yep. he, was, he was one of the coordinators at Aldine in 90 when they, when they won the championship and he was head coach at Eisenhower, you know, right. was, he was a head yep. coach at Eisenhower when we played him. In That's right. Yep. You know, and, and on his staff, you know, guys like Steve Bruce, Dwayne Wyman, uh, you know, those guys were veteran coaches that that took me under their wing and showed me what it was like to be a professional, to to really be a coach. And uh, you know, and and then and then they all branched. Uh, they're they're all branches of the Bill Smith coaching tree. You know, and right. he has you know people everywhere. You know, and, yeah. uh, you know, and you've talked about Coach Whitaker down you know, at yeah. Lavaca. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. Just just all all these all these you know Bill Smith. Uh, disciples you know and, and and i can't consider myself you know and and some on some level you know part of that tree even though i never sure. worked with coach smith you know but but having worked with coach patterson you know and then coach carson at college park later on yep. uh, i mean and so th- those guys really really uh helped me see what what the job was all about and and how to take care of your kids and how to how to do things right how to uh you know how to how to be a good classroom teacher you know all, all those things uh, I feel like th- those were all instilled in me in that that early age, and then then and then from then on, you know, I mean, I, I still, uh, you know, there, there's still people from from that staff that I, that I talk to, you know, once a week, or 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 people who who you know just haven't haven't lost touch with because that was it was such a great family atmosphere and and something that that I really, uh, I said I I value so much because I see especially now as head coach I see how hard it it was 
for Coach Patterson to, you know, invite all the coaches to his home after after a Friday night game. And and, and we'd all go there and you know, his wife had yep. pizza and beer ready for everybody. And we'd go yep. there. You know, this is back when when film took, you know, a couple hours to upload. Yes. So, you know, <laughs> it was luckily it was close to the school so that you know we could get the film going, go hang out at the house and then come back across the street and and, and check on the film and you know, all that all the stuff you got to do after the game. But uh, but it really kind of, like I said, instilled that sense of community because you know, our wives were all there. You know, exactly. everybody you know, had their wives. We got to know each other's families. Uh, and, and it really just did give us a sense of, you know, of, of the why of coaching, you know, and because there's a lot of challenges, a lot of things that, that you know, it, it, if, if isolated, you could point to certain things and say, you know, this, this, I can't, I can't do this coaching thing anymore because of all this and this and this, all these problems, all these, all these challenges. But you said that, that those, those early years for me really kind of set the tone for, okay, this is how you do things, this is how you treat your coaches, how you take care of your, your kids, your people. And and when you do that, you know, the the record is not going to matter as much or, or, or the, you know, the memories are going to outweigh the, the on the field successes and failures more than anything else. Hey, Coach, I'm, I'm so glad you brought up Sergio. I was actually going to bring up the, the same thing. And for, I think it's so cool. I can tell you've listened. You are a fan of the show. And that's, I'm, I'm honored that you're referencing other previous episodes. But Sergio Gonzalez, of course, you know, the head football coach at Pasadena Rayburn, like you said, he brought that up in his episode. And he had people kind of telling him some to his face, maybe some behind his back that he was making mistakes by, by jumping so much, but he held true to what he believed in. He knew, like you said, he, the moves he was making were not for nefarious reasons. It wasn't anything bad or he was running from something. He was just finding that, that perfect fit. And there was reasons for everyone. I think about Cyril Ojeda. He mm -hmm. was at Pasadena for so long. And a lot of us coaches have been there where we think we're going to be the man in waiting. And you know how it is. It's just there's so many factors that impact who's going to be that next coach. And it just it didn't quite work. And so he branched off and he had several stops after being in one place for so long. He was at Clear Springs, Ridgepoint, Eisenhower. But he was building that toolkit again and again. Yeah. And I love talking to Coach Ojeda. And now because that was my old post and I always bleed blue for the Aldi Mustangs. And now I go broadcast basketball games and he's there and he and I will talk. And I, I love having that relationship, you know, with someone who is basically, you know, replacing what I was doing at one time. I think right. that's important to have that kind of continuity. But as far as fit, I think about that sometimes. Let's talk about let's talk about the transition from being a successful assistant to moving into a difficult rebuild. You probably obviously at Klein Kane, you're experiencing the same. A lot of these programs you've listed are winning programs. I came from Ridgepoint. Here I am. We're having a great season. I'm this 29 year old, you know, defensive DC whiz kid. You know, having good, good, good. Everything was always coming up great for me roses you know and so i was able to interview for a job at a young age and i got it and looking back i, I feel like i so wasn't ready at 30 mm -hmm. years old and there's so many things i've learned even just from being out of coaching now just from maturing and i talk of coach ahead about this in his episode like all the things that he has seen over those different stops that he made i think he's the perfect person for aldean high school and i just think that coach trey thompson the athletic director hit a home run when he hired Ojeda. That's why I texted immediately. As soon as I saw that Ojeda got the job, I was just home run, Dre. That's what I yeah. texted him. And also another thing that, that Coach Ojeda brought up, in his time as a player at Pasadena High School, there was one Hispanic coach his entire time. One yeah. coach that looked like him. And it was a freshman coach that was, you know, not in a big leadership role. And I think back to your experience being in the fourth grade at Katy, you were the only person that looked like you. And I, and I think back to my kids at Aldi and so many, I didn't hear a lot of them saying, coach, I'm going to become a coach is, is my aspiration. I think that's problematic, especially mm -hmm. at schools like ours, like at Northbrook or Aldi with, with a large Hispanic student body. 
I, I am a firm believer that they do need to see people that look like them. So they, you know what I mean? I just believe that, you know, people may, I don't know what, what everyone thinks out there, but that's why I think that the Hispanic Texas high school football coaches association was one of the biggest steps we've taken. I, I, you know, I wish it would happen sooner, but I'm so glad it happened now. I guess the pandemic helped speed that up uh, as you know, the coaches were explaining in, in the episodes, yeah. but people like coach Ajeda, yourself, Sergio Gonzalez, the list goes on and on and on. You guys are, are game changers in my opinion, for a whole generation of our students here in Houston. I'm just curious your opinion. I mean, that is my opinion. I, just a half Japanese, half white guy. <laughs> for you, what do you think it means? You know, just to have coaches like, like yourselves leading programs now, not just being the freshman coach. You know, wh what does that mean for these Hispanic students, or all students, but especially the Hispanic students that can see someone that looks like them in leadership positions? I mean, I, I think I think it's, it's huge. I mean, and, and I think that it's, you know, I, I I don't know that I that I noticed that you know I, I don't know sure. that I could look back and tell you you know how many or if we had any Hispanic coaches on on staff you know it, it just not something that I really ever paid attention to but but I think that that it you know especially in today's climate it matters it, it matters to to see uh, you know people that that like I said that look like you or, or that that have similar backgrounds because I think a lot of times we we see the opposite where where you know kids are told. Hey, you'll never be this because of the, what your background is, or because of your past, or because of you know where you come from, and 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 I think that that you know unfortunately that that's it's really easy to believe that when when, when you're a kid and and you you see yourself as as being different and, and you see you know so, some of these these CEOs or, or leaders who who only look a, a certain specific way, you know I think it can be easy to say well okay well I'll just I'll just stay in my lane and go do this here, over here because that's, you know, that's just what I'm supposed to do. And, and, and I think that it, it's, uh, it, it's important for, for kids to know that, that it's okay to take chances, you know, and like I said, like, you know, you being a young coordinator, just saying, well, I'm not just going to apply for the job and see what happens. And, and, and I mean, that, that, that was my experience too. Yeah. I, I found, you know, an old, you know, like a new year's resolution, you know, document that I wrote, you know, a few years ago. And, and I, and I, on there, I said that I was going to keep working to become a head coach by the age of 45. That, that was, for me, that was my, my goal my, in, in my mind uh you know and 39 years old I, I get I get this job and, and yeah. uh and like I said I, I didn't think I was ready I didn't think I was uh you know necessarily qualified I didn't think that that I was uh that I was you know had the, had the skill set to be able to handle this but you know th then then you get in the position you realize okay well yeah I mean it is it, it you know I don't you know I don't look like Mike Johnston I don't look like you know, Chris Massey, you know, and, and, you know, and that was, you know, the thing, you know, like we mentioned earlier, having so many of those guys on, on as, as my high school coaches, you know, I saw that as, as people who are head coaches or became head coaches were just these larger than life figures that, that, you know, I mean, just, you know, kind of heroic almost. And then, you know, then I get to be in the position and, and I realized that, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're just like us, you know, they, they, they uh, you know, there's an old saying, I, I've, I used to do some some uh, mixed martial arts, you know, uh, training, and and there was an old saying that you know a black belt is just a white belt that never quit, you wow. know, and and, yeah. and and that that was you know something that uh, really really stuck with me because you know uh, to me that's what a head coach is. A head coach is just you know the freshman coach or the middle school coach that just didn't quit and just kept going and kept pushing forward, uh, and and you know it, it doesn't take any you know superhero strength. It doesn't take any you know you know, incredible brain or, or football mind, or, you know, it just takes hard work. It takes dedication and it takes, you know, like we said earlier, the right fit. And so uh, I think that that when kids, 
you know, kids see that. And, and, and I said, and, and I love sharing my story with, with kids. I love telling them that, you know, that, yes, I was born in Mexico. I didn't know how to speak English. And, and, yeah. I, and, I, yeah. and I, I went to college and I got my degree and I got a master's degree now. And, and here I am, you know, coaching and, and being a leader of a program. And, and I think a lot of them, you know, hopefully it, it does kind of stick somehow and they get to realize, okay, well, maybe, maybe it is possible. Maybe, maybe, you know, somebody telling me that this is the only thing I can do as an immigrant or as a, Sure. is fill in the blank you know that's not really it's not realistic it's not i don't have to be stuck in that path i don't have to you know follow something that's been predetermined by somebody else you know i can i can, I can you know run my own race I can, I can make my own path wherever it is that i want to go the thing that i think that for young coaches listening and again going back to that like we were most of us that are going to become head coaches we were very successful as assistants otherwise you wouldn't be in the room to be considered how difficult has that been I know from my experience going from being a team that was 12 and one to, I mean, I have a career coaching record of two and 18. And so I always joke around. I have uh, my good friend, Charles West, the former head coach at Humble yeah. high school. He's now the assistant, as you know, well at spring branch yeah. ISD, he, he asked me, Hey, Kobo, when are you going to come back to coaching? I said, Charles, I got a two and 18 record. Who the hell would hire me? <laughs> <laughs> so we have a good laugh about that, but in all seriousness, that's a real thing. And I think for me, the losing was one part of it, but I didn't allow I allowed the other the the other part of sitting in that chair, the athletic coordinator portion. I wasn't ready for that. Mm-hmm. I allowed frustrations I had of managing adults and being away around kids less to really pull my mood down, and I couldn't sustain it. You know, mm-hmm. I couldn't sustain the energy I brought in year one. I thought year one we we I thought I was really proud of what we did. You know, yes, we went two and eight, but we beat Nimitz, which was a playoff team. I mean, we beat a team that went to the playoffs by the skin yeah. of our teeth, but we did it. And I, I brought as much positive energy as I could, just like I always did at Ridgepoint. But then by year two, I felt myself becoming more jaded, more angry, more negative. And I felt myself, I'm not the same Kobo that I was when I walked in here. And I started feeling like I'm not leading these kids the right way. Or I'm, I'm, I'm failing. I, I blame myself really for a lot of it, which I think is normal, but also you got to avoid that. And I see behaviors from coaches like you and Coach Ojeda. I see, I see behaviors that I think are sustainable. You know, like I watched what you put on social media. It's always positive. I watch you on the sidelines when I broadcast your games. You're, you're, you're constantly coaching, running down side to side, coaching, getting kids excited. I mean, Coach Ahead does the same thing. Talk, can you talk to that for, for young coaches that maybe are, you're used to being in success, but now you're in a, in a place where wins are so hard to come by. What have you done to, to, to keep that positivity going when it's, when it's hard? Uh, well, you know, that's actually one of the things they asked me in, in my interview uh what was you know how, how do you how do you measure success at a place like Northbrook because you know yeah w- I mean we've won three varsity games in the last seven seasons you know I mean it, it, it has not been uh you know we don't have the tradition we don't have the history uh you know even even you know Aldine has the, the band you know state championship sure, banner sure, in the weight room sure. on the you know water yeah. tower like, like yeah. Northbrook has never been to the playoffs in school history you know we, we, we don't have any kind of tradition so uh you know it, we we since since I got here, I, I I've always you know like I said social media has been big because I've always wanted to highlight whatever success whatever whatever uh, positive things were going on and 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 the scoreboard hasn't always looked the way we wanted it to but you know there's always been th- you know specific kids specific uh, you know play specific uh, things that we can point to and say hey this is a sign of progress and we may not be there yet but like this is you know at least we're we're showing that we're taking some steps. To, to get where we want to be, you know, um, you know, last, last week we actually, you know, we had this great honor where uh, one of our, one of our seniors got a, a, he was 
awarded a scholarship by the Brothers in Arm Foundation, yeah, which is the foundation established by Warren Moon, Andre Ware, and Vince Young, yeah. uh, specifically geared toward a Houston area athlete uh, coming from a single parent family. And awesome. you know, our 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 kid David Ordom was is, was one of four recipients, and he was recognized at the, at the Houston Sports Awards, which you know which is this massive red carpet event downtown. Uh, I mean, it was hosted by Alex Bregman. You know, yeah, was I it, saw it, that. Yeah. Just, I mean, it was it was this unbelievable experience for 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 one of our kids. Uh, you know, and he's he's there with his mom walking the red carpet. You know, taking pictures with the World Series trophy. And I mean, and, you know, he was on stage. Like I said with, with those those Hall of Famers. You know, getting getting introduced for, for this scholarship and uh, you know and, and, and again things like that like I, I I take a lot of pride in 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 helping those kids you know get those wins you know like in in we, we may not have the numbers or the speed or the strength to be able to go you know take down Cy Fair in a district game but you know I said if we can we can have those small victories we can have you know the you know 50 kids in the weight room after school, you know, when yeah. two years ago we had five, you know, whatever, like all those things, uh, you know, that, that, that show progress that show that we are moving in the right direction. You know, I, I think that th that's what, that's what keeps me going. And, and also understanding the fact that there is no, no such thing as a linear career path, you know, and, and that's something, you know, everybody, you know, of course, the, you know, the Aggies had a, had a rough year this year and everybody talks about Jimbo Fisher, Jim, you know, year five, he took a step backwards and all and, and you know, and, and, you know, that was always my argument. It's like, well, name a coach that has had a linear progression where sure, they sure. win more games every single year. And then when they get to a certain point, you know, Nick Saban lost right. some games. This year. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, th there is no such thing as, as just a, a steady climb and you know, there's going to be ups and downs, peaks and valleys. And, and so, so that's what, you know, when, when and there, there, you know, as you know, there are plenty of days where you have those valleys and plenty of days where, when you go home and you're just, you know, on the verge of tears and you don't feel like you, you did your job or you don't feel right. like you, right. you, you did what you were supposed to do. And, uh, but, but you, you go to bed at night thinking, you know, well, maybe tomorrow's going to be a different day and, and, and just kind of, you know, take things one step at a time. And I think that's, that's, what's been good for me and good for my morale. And, and, uh, you know, and, and I try to just really, really focus on, gratitude you know and, and i and I, I try to uh you know just really every day think about something in this role in you know in my family or in you know in the program you know you know whatever whatever's happening on our campus in our athletics I, I i try to find something to be grateful for you know a coach that's doing a you know a great job in in the classroom or 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 a team that that you know had, had a had a great you know that had 100 percent of the kids show up on a on a saturday practice you know things like that that that, that uh, maybe weren't the expectation before, but when those things happen, I, you know, try to make sure that I point it out, that I celebrate it, you know, and, and, and really give praise where, 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 it, uh, where, where it's deserved, because that's, that's what keeps kids coming. And, and, and that's what keeps, you know, the coaches coming back. And, and that's, those are the things that, that are going to really make you build that, that consistency, that sustainability that, that, that we all want, that we all want to have in our programs. Yeah, when I think back to my talk of Coach Ojeda, like he, we were talking and he was like, yeah, if I, if I had gotten the job, at, if I had gotten those, because he wanted to be a head coach for so long, but he looks back on it, he's like, if I would have gotten a head coaching job at 30 or 32 or 33, I wouldn't have been ready, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I look back on my career, at the time I was young, single, you know, now I have a wife, a child. I think that was a part of it too. I allowed my whole identity to be wrapped up in <laughs> my job. Mm -hmm. And so when it wasn't going well, that affects your whole identity. I think yeah. now, obviously, I love my wife and my son and like, I, you, you're a family man, you know, and then so is Coach yeah. Ahead. And not, not that you have to have kids or anything, but I think that that allows you to help keep things in perspective, right? Instead it, of just, it, just it really identifying. Does. Yeah, you know, and, and and again, like, you know, if, if I go home and I've had, you know, I've had a rough day or, you know, you know, kids weren't 
doing what they're supposed to do, you know, right. whatever, you know, but then, you know, I go home and, and my four-year-old daughter, you know, yeah. has a little Moana dress and says, Hey, I'm Moana, you're Maui. Let's, let's play, you know, and, and, and all <laughs> yeah. of a sudden, you know, life is good again, you know, and, and you kind of, kind of, like you said, put things in perspective and it helps you kind of forget that, that, you know, that, that, that these, these little things didn't go right, but you know, there's lots of things that are going right. And, and it's all about, uh, you know, perspective. And, and, and I tell, I tell the story all the time. I mean, I'm right here in my, uh, right, right above my desk. I keep this, you know, little red truck. Yeah. And I, I, I myself drive a red F-150, but you know, I heard this, this story a long time ago and I always, so that's, that's my reminder that, uh, you know, they always say like, if you, when, when you buy a red truck, you start driving all of a sudden you see red trucks everywhere, you know, sure, and, and, sure. and you realize that, that they're all over the place. And it's not like everybody else bought a red truck. It's just the fact that you're, you're thinking about it and it's in your, in your, in your conscious. And so you see it everywhere. And, and, and that's what I've always thought about, you know, being positive or being grateful or being optimistic is if you think positive thoughts, you're going to see those positive things. And, and you're, you're going to see the, uh, you know, the good things that are happening. Cause there's always, there's good things happening in every school, every program with every coach, every, you know, there, there's good things somewhere. And, but if you focus on, if you're constantly thinking negative things, you're going to, that's what you're going to see. You're going to focus on those. And when you, when you think positive, you're going to focus on positive things. I totally agree with that coach. And one last question I have for you, just as far as taking over a program, being a new coach, episode number 23, Masaki Matsumoto, a coach out in Washington state. He talked about something I haven't heard a lot of because so many times when we're hired, usually sometimes you're taking over for Gary Joseph and that's a whole different set of problems of expectations. Mm -hmm. But sometimes in our situation, you and I, we were taking over places that, you know, maybe had some losing at the time. Coach Ojeda has done the same thing. Coach Gonzalez is doing the same thing. A lot of times we're brought in there to try to change the culture, right? That's the big buzzword. And so that's our focus. And I, I think looking back on it, I kind of regret sometimes. I just wanted to change so much. I think I, yes, I respected the 1990s teams and, and played that up. But I almost, I, looking back, like Coach Matsumoto opened my eyes when he said, these kids had another coach before you. And they probably love that coach. You know, and you want to, if you come in just only talking about change the culture, change the culture, it insinuates what they were doing was not, was bad, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I really thought about that. And I was like, you know, sometimes I wish I would have done things more with an effort to also recognize the near past. You know what I mean? And that's mm -hmm. one thing that I really am grateful for of Coach Ojeda allowing me to kind of, not that I'm a part of the program, but he's friendly with me and we talk about the team and I, I, I'll text him after games and stuff. And he has that conversation with me and he, he doesn't have to. Some people may not feel comfortable talking to the old head coach from a couple, you know, years ago. But mm. I, in my opinion, I think that it's healthy, right? I mean, as long as you're doing it the way that you're, it's still your problem. Not that I, I'm not telling them what plays are on it by no means. It's all yeah. just support. But I kind of like having a little bit of that connection with the past. But I'm just curious because I'm no longer in coaching. But I've, I've had that revelation talking to Coach Matsumoto. I'm curious your thoughts on that. When you're a new coach, for all my coaches coming in, let's say you're taking over a new program. Do you come in there just preaching change, 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 or is there something to recognizing that what they were doing in the past was also good and you're building on that? I'm just, I'm really curious. Uh, Coach Rick LaFavors at Ridgepoint, he always talks about we're building, we are walking on the shoulders of giants. He always mm -hmm. talks about that, talking about how Coach Sniffen built this program and we're just taking it to the next step. Like, I really respect that about Rick yeah. LaFavors. So I'm just curious, what are some of your thoughts on how to handle that? Because it's awkward, right? It's awkward. Well, yeah. you're taking over, it, so. it is. And, and I'm, you know, I made that mistake early on because, you know, I mean, I got hired that, you know, I, I'll never forget the day I was introduced on campus, you know, it was a Thursday, March 12, 2020, because, you know, they, they had this, you know, they introduced me on campus, you know, I gave a little speech, went and met with the principal for a little while. And then on my drive home that day, they said, hey, this whole 
virus thing is getting a little crazy. So we're going to cancel school tomorrow and then we'll go to spring break. And, you know, and then, and that was it. I mean, I spent half a day on campus before the whole world shut down for COVID. And so th there was a lot of, you know, a lot of uncertainty. I had, had a, you know, when I interviewed assistant coaches that were here, it was on a, you know, over the phone or on a zoom or, you know, you know, I, I didn't get to meet the players until the summer when we were actually allowed to come back together. And so I think a lot of, because of the uncertainty, there was a lot of coaches that maybe wouldn't have stayed through the transition, you know, that, right. that they didn't know. And there was no way of telling you if there was going to be jobs available, if there was going to be place. Right. So, so right. I think some coaches stayed uh, where they probably wouldn't have in a normal situation. And I didn't make that mistake early on a couple of times where I would say, you know, just in staff meetings, I would say, you know, Hey, well, this wasn't getting done before, you know, and, sure. and guys would speak up and say, well, actually we were doing that. You know, we, we just, sure. you know, yep. uh, and, and, and so, you know, it, it kind of, it, it did open my eyes and it made me realize that, you know, just, just like, just, just like being a parent, you know, like nobody is a perfect parent. Nobody knows everything the, the right way to do it because you're all, everybody's doing it for the first time. And, you know, you, you just, you kind of, do your best with what you have, you know, and, and every coach does the best with, you know, the resources, the the knowledge, everything, what they have, we're all doing our best. You know, there's nobody yeah. that purposely, you know, slacks or, or doesn't, you know, sure. Doesn't put forth the effort. It doesn't, you know, do their job. They're just, they're doing what they've been trained to do, what they, what they were taught to do or what their abilities allowed them to do. And, 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 you know, you, you can judge somebody, you can say, well, they, they don't know what they're doing or they're doing a bad job, but really they're, they're but everybody, in this profession is doing the best with what they, with what they have. And, and, you know, and, and again, from the outside, you know, there might be people that look at me and say, Oh, you know, he's been there three years and you know, he's only won one game. And, you know, what, what is he, what is he doing? What, you know, what has he brought? But uh, you know, sure. in, in my, in my experience, you know, like I said, I, 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 I can definitely see areas of growth within the school, within some of our athletic programs, within our football team, you know, numbers are increasing, you know, there, there there's little things that, that I can point to that, that say, yes, we are doing things, you know, we are moving in the right direction, but, you know, I mean, they're, they're like Northbrook football is going to be here after I'm gone. And when somebody else comes in, they might look at something that I've established for the last three years and, and they might say, why was he doing that? That doesn't make any sense, sure. but it, you know, it, I'm doing, I said, I'm, I'm doing the best with, with what I have, with the skills that I have, with, with the, the knowledge and, and the, and the, uh, the, you know, the assistant coaches that I have, you know, I mean, that, that's, that's the other big lesson I learned in this head coaching role is, is you're only as good as your assistants, you know, and, and, and there's no way that one person can do the job by themselves. That's why there are assistant coaches. And, and so, you know, ha having, uh, having the ability to find the right people that fit with the open teaching fields that your school yeah. has at the time. I mean, all, all those things, you know, make me, you really appreciate the people that make it made it look effortlessly, you know, like the, you know, the, the, all the head coaches I worked for, you know, it seemed like they had it all together. They had it all figured out. It seemed like they, 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 they just knew, they just knew things, you know, and, 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 and they did, they all learned, they all kind of, you know, did their own thing, but, but, but it really, it was eye opening to, to know like how many little moving pieces there were and, and, and you're not going to get everything right. You're not going to be perfect. And so, so you just have to accept, you know, own your mistakes and, and, and understand that, you know, maybe there's a better way to do things and, and just not, not be so close-minded to what, uh, what you thought might be the, the right way to do things. Amen. And I, I was guilty of that younger in my coaching career. Um, I remember Northbrook used to be in our district when I was at Ridgepoint in the 4A district. And we sometimes we'd go scout. I remember going and scouting a Rayburn and Northbrook game one night. And sometimes I'd go to certain games and you just see a team not playing well. And you start, I started thinking, I was like, well, what, what's going on? Like, what, why, why this mistake? Why that mistake? Like what? And I, 
the thing is now that I've been inside, I've learned that some of these coaches that are going 0 and 10, 1 and 9, 2 and 8 are some of the best coaches I've seen now that I've actually gotten to get into it. I've gotten a network, a guy named Dave Handel. When I was struggling at Aldine, he was struggling at Galena Park. Now he's the head coach of the Tomball Cougars. And they went, he was as a defensive coordinator, he went all the way to state semifinals, right? Two years ago. So it's just, it's just showing there's great coaches everywhere. So don't write off a team that's going two and eight or one and nine. And I think that about your same with like Coach Ahead's team. That you know, they struggled this year, but I'm watching the kids are all lined up correctly. They're doing lots of different formations. There's the personnel groupings. Like this team is well coached. I can see it. I've learned yeah. how to see those things. I watched you in a big game against, I believe it was Booker T. Washington. You were about to beat them. And if I remember correctly, there's some kind of just deflating pass interference penalty or something like that. And I watched you. At that moment, I always watched the coach. Instead of hanging your head or throwing your headset, you ran down to like get the next, to get like the, the kickoff return team ready or something. It's something like that. I don't remember the exact specifics, but I remember watching that. And I was like, by God, Gomez is coaching the heck out of these guys. I don't yeah. care what the record is. He's well, I, I, can, I can tell you what it was. It, yeah. it was what a, was it? It, it, it was a, uh, a 98 yard touchdown pass that we gave up. You know, we, that's we, what were, it was. Down, we yep. were down by five points and we pinned them at the two yard line. And, and we had, you know, we, we had, and I, I, we had a defensive end that got around and I mean, he was maybe like six inches from hitting the quarterback's arm in the end zone. Instead, he lets it go. Yeah. Uh, the guy runs right, you know, he, our, our DBs kind of, you know, kind of running step by step with him, but he catches the ball and he goes 98, uh, you know, this is in fourth quarter, you know, and, and it was, it was, it was, about a deflating deflating of a moment you know we're in at that point we're in on a you know 30 30 plus game losing streak yeah you know, and, and and so it, yeah it was and and but but that's that that's that's what i've always always known that that the coach's job is to to you know teach them how to move on to the next thing you know because right. there's so many bad things that happen while you're looking down at the ground you know, upset about the thing that just happened, you know, like more thing, you know, the, the world doesn't stop life doesn't stop football doesn't stop. So there, there's always the next play coming. There's always, and, and so it's, you got to bounce back quickly. Otherwise, you know, you, you, you don't lose by making a mistake. You lose by letting mistakes compound upon each other, you know? And so that, that, that's always been my thing is, okay, move on. Let's get ready to the next thing. Let's stay excited. And if they see that I get dejected or I get, you know, down or, or throw my, my, my stuff, then they're going to think, you know, okay, well then, then if, if he knows all this stuff that we don't know and he's dejected, then, then there's no hope, you know. Coach, two quick questions about Northbrook. I could have sworn when I used to scout them, they were called the Ragin' Raiders. And I don't see that anymore. Is, is that something that, that technically changed? Am I, am I correct on that? Or I, yeah. So it's funny. I actually asked them, you know, uh, a friend of mine, Johnny Sanders played here in the, yeah. in the nineties, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, he, he, I asked him, you know, I texted him the other day and I said, Hey, you know, tell me about this. Cause I, you know, I, I see it. It's, it's on, it's on our campus. It's yeah. certain things, you know, certain plaques, certain, it says, you know, we, we have our, our biggest team award. It's called the Raging Raider award. Uh, but, but besides that, I mean, it's, it's, it hasn't really been part of, of anything that we do. And, and, and he, you know, AJ said that, you know, it, it hasn't, it wasn't really used in the nineties either. I think it was, it was more of an early, uh, early Northbrook thing. And okay. you know, it's, it's in the fight song, you know, the, the fight right. song, uh, in, in the, in the lyrics, it does mention the Raging Raiders, but, uh, I said, it, it's not really, not really something that, that we really, that we, that we use anymore, you know, and, sure, and sure. I don't know exactly when it went away or, 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 or what, you know, the history is really, you know, said it I kind of like it. I kind of like it, man. Maybe you could bring it back. I think it's cool, but, <laughs> <laughs> but the last question on Northbrook, man, you got it in the background there, your famous white cowboy hat. Can you just <laughs> tell us the story behind that? Uh, it, it's, it's, uh 
So, you know, number one, it's, it's a nod to, you know, Bill Smith, you know, like I said, coach Coach Patterson, coach Bruce, you know, so those guys, the guys that that, that taught me at Tomball and, and, and Aldine and, and College Park, you know, some of them were, were, you know, cowboy hat in practice kind of guys. Yeah. And for a long time, I was a visor guy. You know, I, I love visors, but uh, at the same time, you know, like I'm also, you know, being Mexican and, and having, you know, the darker skin, I didn't really believe in sunscreen. I always, yeah. I always say, oh, you know, my, my skin is, is not my natural sure, sunscreen. Sure. And I started coming home and my ears were sunburned and, you know, and it was after I got married that my wife started giving me a hard time saying, you, you got to put a sunscreen on, you got to, you know, you, you got, you got to do this. And, and it was, it kind of, it was kind of my compromise of saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to get in the habit of putting on sunscreen, but I'll, I'll wear the big cowboy hat, you know, get me, get my neck and my, and my ears, some shade, my face, you know, and then, and then, then it just kind of stuck. And, and, and now I got, uh, you know, at the last few schools that I've worked at, you know, I, I'll get the, the helmet decal and just put it right there on top of the cowboy hat. Uh, and, and that's just my practice hat. And, and, and everybody, everybody kind of knows that, that that's, you know, and, and we use it, you know, as that, that's how we signal the end of practice, you know, and we get, we're, we're rolling. And if the kids ever see me blow the whistle and, and put the hat up in the air, they know, okay, in the practice, everybody, you know, that, that's how we, we call them up, you know? And so, so yeah, it kind of, kind of became, you know, a thing without, you know, never really planned on it. Never really thought it was going to be my thing, but, uh, but that, and, 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 and my boots, you know, I, I wear, yep. I wear cowboy boots on the sideline. I wear, you know, every, every, if, I, if I'm wearing pants, you know, dress pants, jeans, whatever, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be wearing my boots. And, and, and again, that kind of was a, you know, it's, there's no really strong reason behind it. Really. It, it became a thing where I just, I got tired of changing socks. You know, I, I was, I'd wear my, my, you know, dress shoes to, to, to teach in and have my, my dress socks and went, you know, with my outfit. And then when it's time to go to athletics, you know, there's a couple of times when you forget your, your, your socks and you got to wear your, you know, those dress socks with your tennis yeah. shoes and shorts. And you just, yeah. and so it, it, it kind of became a thing where I was like, I just, I don't even want to do this anymore. I just, I'll just wear my boots and wear some athletic socks underneath and, and then I can just roll right into practice. So, uh, you know, the, the, now, now it's kind of become, you know, like a, a, a thing, you know, the, the look of, of, of who I am as a coach. I love that coach. Now, another, another thing you wanted to give, you know, just, just pay homage to was your parents. You know, and I, I feel the same way about my mom living the American dream. I and mean, your your parents did that. Three sons going to AM, little formal education, you know, as you mentioned to me when we were talking before the show. Do you want to can you just give give you know, I like to say give give the flower, you know, give give, the, give your parents their flowers that they so they yeah, so much yeah. deserve. I mean my, my parents are uh you know, two of the smartest people I've ever known. Uh, but they they didn't have any you know formal education. My my mom didn't finish high school, my dad finished high school, did a little bit of college in Mexico. Uh, but but never never got a degree and you know and I think a lot about you know like if he he would have been perfect you know he he my dad went to school in the you know in the in the late sixties early seventies like he would have been perfect for a and m you know back then yeah. you know the yeah. cadets engineering I mean he he would like if he would have had the same opportunities I had he would have been you know great engineer he would have been you know some something uh, but as it was like I said he came here with with you know no no English no real formal education and so he, and he just he just worked you know and and the thing into the sacrifice he made you know like right now you know as a coach you know there's there's some days where i get home and my kids are asleep or you know i don't get to see my family and but it's you know just one maybe one two days a week you know when you know thursday night jv game friday night varsity game and uh you know but thinking about my dad you know said when he came here by himself and he didn't see his kids for for eight nine months you know and 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 he would send us letters and postcards and you know and and we were uh, you know, we were reminiscing not too long ago about how we used to record 
you know, did audio tapes and, and mail them to each other. You know, he, he would sit there, you know, and he'd record us the tapes. Hey kids, you know, I love you. I miss you. And then, and, and then we get that, listen to it. And then we'd, you know, we'd record something for him and, and, you know, and silly, you know, like I said, I was eight years old. So we, I'm singing songs, you know, telling him, you know, some goofy story about whatever a cartoon I watched or something. And yeah, but, but, you know, and I asked him recently, I said, you know, what happened to those tapes? And he's like, oh, he's like, I'm sure there's somewhere, you know, there's, they're in a closet somewhere, you know, we'll have to dig them up and find them, you know, because like I said, as a dad now, I, I just cannot imagine, you know, making that sacrifice of, Hey, you know, yeah. just so my kids can have a better life. I'm gonna go do this. And, you know, when we first came here, I mean, he was working in the mornings at Burger King and then he would work in the afternoons at, at Marco's Mexican restaurant. And then, uh, after, you know, soon after that, he got a job at Fiesta doing produce, you know, and, and, yep. and, but I mean, he was working two, three jobs every time, you know, my mom, uh, you know, we, 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 we came over here I said, we came over here to, you know, quote, be on vacation. And then we stayed, you know, so we, we were, we were illegal for a while, you know, we, we did not have our, our papers. And so my mom couldn't get a formal job. So she would, you know, babysit or she would do, you know, house cleaning, something, uh, you know, just whatever to, to make some extra cash. And, 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 you know, never once do I remember, you know, going to bed hungry or not having, you know, shoes to wear. I mean, they did everything they could just to make sure that we, that we got by and that we, that we had what we needed. And, yeah, and again, just the the, the work ethic and and just the the ability to just put your family first. I mean, that that's something I can never ever repay, and it's something that I don't I don't tell them enough. I don't thank them yeah, enough sure. in person yeah. for all that they did for for me and my brothers. And you know, and and again, as the youngest of the three brothers, you know, he, my my brothers fit into that category as well because they they went through some of the things. You know, by the time I got to Katie, you know, they the coaches knew who I was. They're like, oh, that's that's another Gomez brother. He's yeah. probably going to work just as hard as his brothers did. He's probably right, going to get just right, as good right. a grades as his brothers did. And all I had to do was was you know show up basically, and and they had already done all the hard part for me. You know, and and I just I can, I can never ever thank them enough for 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 saying this. And you know, and and like I mentioned to you, like you know, we all went to A and M, we all were in the core, and now we're all high school coaches. And uh, in fact, my oldest brother Juan actually is my assistant head coach here at North. He, he works. He works with me. Our other brother, uh, Louise. He he's he's been at at Bay City. He was at Brazoswood, and in fact, uh, the, we played Brazoswood this year in in our third non district game. And the only reason I did that was because my brother was coaching there last year. And, and so I was like, okay, we're gonna get all three brothers on the same field at one time, you know, and it's gonna be a great game. And then in the off season, their head coach left to go to Brenham and he ended up going with them. And so, so he wasn't even there. We, we, we didn't get a chance to, to do the, the Gomez bowl. Uh, yeah. But, you know, he, he's up and, you know, he's up enjoying some bluebell and, and coaching at Brenham now, but, uh, but yeah, like I said that they, uh, you know, my parents, my brothers, I mean, it just, I, I just, there's no way, I don't know who I would be, but I wouldn't be the, the who I am without them and without their example, without their, their guidance. And, and, you know, that, that's, that's something that, you know, you know, talking about, you know, how hard it is to, to come in a situation like this, you know, if I didn't have my brother here next to me that, that I could, you know, talk to bounce ideas off of, or, or you know, really trust that, that things are going to get done. I mean, I, I don't know that, that I would, that I would have, that I would have been here this long. I don't know that I would, that I would have had the same mindset, the same positive outlook on things if it had been, you know, just, you know, me without, without him here by my side. So I said, I, I just, I, I, I can never, ever thank them enough for everything that they've done for me and, and for, and, and for getting me to where I am today. I love it, coach. The, the true American success story. Beautiful. <laughs> Honestly, absolutely beautiful. And we're here. I, I knew we were going to we're, we're approaching the two hour mark. I could go for two more hours with you, but <laughs> let's just do our, our customary ending 
as far as your sports fandom, kind of cool. Since you grew up in Mexico, you were kind of a blank slate. You could kind of pick whoever you wanted. That's right. And like many of us, that WGN. When you got home, you had WGN on. So I'm wearing a Mark Grace jersey here to represent oh, your Cubs yeah. fandom. Perfect. That's one of your favorites. Um, so, of course, the Cubs and also the Bears were a powerhouse in the, of the 85 Bears. So who, who, of course, if you had no ties, of course, you had hooked with them. So to end it, Coach, just let's hear your Cubs and Bears Mount Rushmore. So your top four all-time Cubs and Bears. Oh man, and this is you know it, it, it is a challenge. And I said you you warned me that you were going to ask yeah. me this, and so I've been kind of thinking ahead. And uh, you know, as as far as the Cubs, I felt like you know, like in in my lifetime, there's been three different eras of of Cubs. You know, where you know the like I said the one when I started watching when they had Mark Grace, Ryan Sandberg, you know, Greg Maddox. I mean, that that, that was you know that's what got me hooked. Yeah. Uh, but you know, of the, of those, of that team, Mark Grace was yeah. my absolute favorite. I mean, just yeah. a true hitter, you know, just a consistent, you know, steady presence, you know, he, he was, so I so said, I have to put him on there, yep. you know, then, then it was, you know, the early two thousands, you know, when Sammy Sosa was, 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 uh, you know, all over the, yep. the record yep. book, oh, yeah. and, uh, you know, but, but of, of that, of that time period, you know, kind of, a my favorite player to watch at that, that time is that the early two thousands was Mark Pryor. You know, and he had a short career injuries, yep. but, but, but I mean, I just, his, his, uh, position, he was just, he was just a phenomenal pitcher to watch. And, and you kind of felt like you always had a chance with him on the mound. And, and uh, so, so I put him on there and then of course, you know, the world series teams, yeah. you know, of course, uh, you know, again, somebody to choose from, I, th- I think uh, uh, Chris Bryant was probably my favorite of, of that group, but, you know, but you, know, you can't, you can't, you can't, uh, you know, the the one World Series victory in in over a century you got you got to put somebody on there absolutely uh, and and then you know for my fourth I think I have to go with Greg Maddox you know I said yeah. just, just he him. was just so fun to watch I mean just you talk about a master of his craft you know you you read about how smart he was and, and you know like I remember you know one time I read an article about him how you know he he could tell you like you know like he would look over there guys hey you know you better watch out because this you know two pitches from now the guy's gonna foul off a pitch right in that, in that corner of the dugout, you know, and, 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 and then it would happen, you know, cause he knew yeah. exactly like what the hitter was doing, what the pitcher was doing, what the approach was. I mean, he was just so, uh, so cerebral and so, so smart at, at what he was doing, you know, and, and wasn't the prototypical pitcher, you know, but, uh, like I said, he, he was just, he's just the one that, that, I um, mean, you, you could always like, you, you always have fun. You always learn something watching him. So, so I have to say that those would be my, my personal top four. You aced that one. Let's hear what you got for the bears. <laughs> uh, uh, so Bears, you know, again, uh, uh, first three for the Bears were easy for me. Yeah. You know, Brian Urlacher, fa- oh, yeah. favorite, favorite yep. player. Devin Hester, you know, maybe uh-huh. the, one of the most exciting yep. players in the history of the NFL to watch. And, you know, just uh, – and then, you know, the very first game I remember watching for the NFL was the 85 Super Bowl. So, yep. you know, from that team, you know, I was uh, – I just always – uh, said too many superstars on that team, but like to me, the guy that, that just embodied all of it was Jim McMahon, you know, yeah. and just like the cool guy, yeah. you know, the sunglasses, yeah. the headband. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that's that's who we all wanted to be, you know. They, Walter Payton was great, you know, yep. the defense, you know, the, the Singletary and the fridge, but you know, to me, Jim McMahon, yeah, was, was, was that guy, uh, you know, and, and then the again, the fourth, you know, I kind of racked my brain on this, uh, but the uh. The, the other guy that came to my mind from, from those, you know, those, those mid 2000 years was, was peanut Tillman, you know, and, and okay. just such, such a, 
such a dominant player, you know, and like I said, you, when you get, you get a move named after you, the, the peanut punch, you know, where he could just yeah. you know, go and script that ball out. And you know, said, I, 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 I kind of settled on him as my fourth, you know, cause he was just, cause just, just, just a different, different kind of guy, you know, and, and not somebody that, you know, that's going to make, you know, the all, all NFL team, but, but exactly. just watching him play, it was just so much fun and, and just such a, such a great character. Um, that's the mark of a true fan. When I could ask 99 people who, you know, just list me your top four bears. He would never make it 99 times out of a hundred, but that's your man. I love that coach, man. And this, <laughs> this whole conversation has been awesome. It delivered every bit that I thought it would be. And, you know, if you're enjoying this as much as I am, again, just please give us that five-star rating. That helps more people find the show. You can hit the follow button to subscribe and hear new episodes each week. You can follow me on Twitter at coach underscore Kovo. That's coach underscore KOVO. You can hit us up at team player podcast at gmail.com. We're just building a like-minded community here. So give me recommendations. A lot of my guests come from recommendations, you know, so please fans reach out. Let's have more engagement. Ask me questions. You want me to, you know, send me questions. You want me to ask our guests as always the cover art and music for the team player podcast is provided by two of my former players. The cover art is by Kaiser St. Cyr and our intro and exit music is one more good enough from Avery self-titled debut album. You can find his music on all platforms by searching for Avery That's a V R I O N coach Andres Gomez. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, I really, really admire what you're doing. You know, I appreciate you, your, your viewpoints and, and, and just keep it up. You know, I so said, hopefully you can have a whole bunch more episodes and, and I'm looking forward to, to following you and, and you know, hopefully you can catch some side on, on the, on the sideline here next, next year. You know, we, we do play all week too. You know, hopefully you get a oh, chance yeah. to. I'm angry about that. that last one, coach. I didn't bring that up for purposely. <laughs> I'm angry at you for that. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing a coach, man. Again, such an honor. Thank you to Coach Gomez, and thank you to all the team players for your support, and we'll catch you all down the road. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy, one more line, record the track just one more time, my family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy, one more line, record the track just one more time, my family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough, I'm just fine, I'm good enough. But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily But now I got a legacy 